everyone. I'm Tracy O'Rourke. And I'm Elizabeth Swan. And we're from the Just In Time Cafe. Welcome back to our podcast. At the cafe, we wrestle with tough questions, talk to thought leaders, discuss great books, and get insights from Lean Six Sigma practitioners. We let you in on helpful apps, we bring you the news, and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem-solving muscles. Hey, Elizabeth, so good to be back in the cafe. What is on today's menu? I'm with you, Tracy. Today's highlight is our interview with Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan, co-founders of Integris Performance Advisors. They just released their new book, The People Problem. Uh, And we're going to talk with them about what it takes to solve one of the biggest problems in organizations today. For our In the News segment, Tracy, you're going to tell us what's happening at Kitchens for Good, a San Diego nonprofit that is both feeding and employing those in need. They are attracting a lot of local lean talent. So we hear how process improvement is being applied so this nonprofit can make the most of their resources. And for Q&A, we'll answer a question about the success of the recent trend toward remote lean events. Up next, it's in the news. Tracy, this organization is providing both food and a form of rehabilitation, aren't they? Yes, they are. Kitchens for Good is a nonprofit with a wonderful mission to break the cycles of food waste, hunger, and poverty through innovative solutions and workforce training. Healthy food production and social enterprise. They provide hunger relief by bringing meals to children. They also have a culinary school for folks who have been incarcerated to learn what they call knife to life skills. They have a 12-week culinary program where students graduate and start apprenticeships at participating restaurants all over San Diego. And the nice thing is they're only 10 minutes from my house, which makes it easy for me to provide in-kind consulting to help this organization with lean. I was there recently helping them set up their new workspaces to improve their production line to serve and package meals. I also invited some great local lean talent to join me. Sally Toyster, who ran Marriott's OpEx program. Mike Osterling, co-author of the Kaizen Event Planner. And Mark Myers, who ran San Diego State's Lean Enterprise Program. It's, it was really fun to work with a bunch of lean consultants with Kitchens for Good. So it was really fun because you never really get a chance to work with a lot of consultants when you're at clients. And we've been working with them for about a year now and primarily helping them to increase daily production of meals from 800 to 1100 meals a day. Tracy, that's so impressive. And what a powerhouse to have Sally, Mike and Mark right in your neighborhood. I'm so jealous. (laughs) It really was a lot of fun and we really enjoyed it and we want to do it again. Keep it up, man. I'm Elizabeth Swan from the Just In Time Cafe, and you're listening to the only podcast you need right now. In a short while, you get to hear our interview with Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan of Integris Performance Advisors on their new book, The People Problem. Next up, it's a question from one of our listeners. Can you truly successfully conduct remote lean events? I would say absolutely. I think with COVID, 
people have sort of decided to put it off and to wait until we can be in person again to do virtual events, but really it can definitely be, be done. I just conducted one. It was completely remote. So I had a good experience. It does require better organization, I believe, than a Kaizen that is in person. Not only do you have to plan the agenda and the activities, you have to really think about how to organize the information as it's being shared. And you have to think about how you will create an interactive environment to maximize collaboration, which can be tough to do if you haven't really thought through the medium or the app that's going to help promote that. So there are some things that definitely take longer in a virtual environment, but if you're organized, there are many aspects that can go faster. For example, brainstorming on post-its and affinitizing them into categories and then multi-voting can actually go faster in a virtual environment. My favorite organization tip though, is to have the templates that you may use ready at your disposal. I dropped all the templates that I would use in a Kaizen event into one Excel spreadsheet that I now call my Kaizen event builder. It's handy. And if I don't end up using some of the templates, I can simply leave them blank or delete them. Uh, your Kaizen event builder was a really nice innovation, Tracy. And it feels like remote Kaizen events are experiments happening in real time everywhere. Uh, we spoke with Mike Osterling recently. He wrote the Kaizen event planner. And now uh, he's using Miro as his virtual whiteboard to manage his events. And what impressed me about Mike's efforts was that he had groups meeting for longer than what I would have thought possible. He made me realize that four hours is okay if the group is active and focused. Absolutely. And I think this is all an experiment with virtual interaction and virtual effectiveness in general. I think all of us have been forced to figure things out from a virtual perspective over the last year. And I think we're actually going to keep some of these things that we've learned. And I agree with you. I actually thought doing something for three hours was the maximum. But in speaking with Mike and some of the detail that you have to go through for building out maps, four hours is still acceptable and still people are engaged. So that was really a good learning. Yeah, we're getting good at it. I'm Tracy O'Rourke from the Just In Time Cafe and you're listening to the right podcast for right now. We'll be hosting these monthly, so don't forget to subscribe. Coming up next, it's our featured guests. Tracy, how would you describe our interview with Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan? Well, it's kind of like visiting with old friends. <laughs> Like you, Elizabeth, I've known Brett Evans for a really long time, about 20 years, I would say. And it's great to see how we've all evolved from our early process improvement days, isn't it? I really like enjoyed talking with Brett and Evans. I'm really proud of them. They recently wrote that great book about the challenges with people and organizations. And as it turns out, People aren't really the problem. And if you're confused because their book is called Solving the People Problem, then you'll just have to stick around to the, for this interview to find out why. Ooh, you piqued my curiosity and I was even there. <laughs> Hi everyone, Elizabeth and I would like to welcome some of our very old friends for today's special, Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan. Welcome to the cafe, guys. Glad to be here, Tracy. 
Thanks a lot, Tracy. Can you guys believe we've known each other for over 20, about 20 years? Yeah, since you were 10 years old, Tracy. (laughs) Thank you, Brett. Thank you. I mean, we have done a lot. We have done, we've all worked together at some point back in early 2000s in process improvement. And we're still on the journey to a degree, right? Always on this journey. I think it's a never ending, always, always making progress. Yeah, it's, it is, it's part of all of our lives. It's part of the way we think anymore, um, which is kind of fun. And actually, I mean, going back to when I first met Elizabeth, I think Elizabeth helped bring me into one of my first workshops when I became a consultant, actually. Where was that? That was with Cisco. Cisco. It's a two-day yeah. Cisco engagement. I remember that. I remember yes. Cisco systems. Yeah. Wow, yeah. good memory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and you, Tracy, you and I were doing some work for the state of Oregon when I did my first lean workshop presentations. Really? That was yeah. your first? That was the first time that I was actually in front of a client doing that work. Wow. I remember my first moment of being super impressed with Tracy, and I saw her arm wrestling you, Brett. <laughs> and I believe in Miami. Miami. In Miami, Miami. and I, I believe she won. I did win. She did. And I found out later it was left-handed. <laughs> Brett was left-handed, uh, and he had just finished another arm wrestling competition with somebody else. So I did have the advantage. And now, X years later, because you know I must have been five when I met you too. Um, mm-hmm. You guys just wrote a book. We yeah. did. Congrats. Thank you. Congratulations. So the book is called Solving the People Problem. The book is called Solving the People Problem, has five-star ratings on Amazon. It's achieved number one in several different categories, business communication skills and organizational development. That is awesome. So tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book. So as we've been talking about already, uh, Evans and I have been doing this kind of work, this lean process improvement, organizational success kind of work uh, together for almost 20 years. And about 10 years ago, we launched this company, Integris Performance Advisors. And the thing that was unique about Integris Performance Advisors that was different than other lean Six Sigma process improvement consulting firms is that we wanted to put an extra focus on leadership and team dynamics. We had for the previous 10 years been doing a lot of green belt training, black belt training, delivering a lot of fantastic results. But one thing that was was missing in those engagements is we weren't really changing the culture of the organizations, we were focused on the hard skills. We were focused on streamlining process and, and delivering some fantastic value. But we wanted to do something a little bit more on the cultural side. So when we launched Integris, we did a, a whole bunch of research to figure out, okay, well, what are the best leadership and team dynamics tools that are out there? And then how do we bring those into our Lean Six Sigma process improvement efforts? And so we started doing that right when we launched the company back in 2011. And over the preceding years, we found a whole lot of success with a few specific concepts. And last year, or actually about a year and a half ago now, we kind of got to the point where we said, you know, we're having so much success with this. We should put this together in a book so we could share these ideas that much more effectively. Because after all, our reach is going to be limited if we're just doing workshops ourselves. 
So it was really around the ideas of that, that we found successful with our clients that were, um, that, that we decided, you know, let's, let's make this a little bit more of a, of a reach for us. And let's share these, these ideas further and wider. You know, what's really ironic right now is what? you two wrote a book on people and Elizabeth and I wrote a book on tools. <laughs> both, well, both and, and both are needed. I mean, that, that's really what we found. It, it, our, our setting this book up and our work with clients is nothing to say that the tools aren't great. What we found is sometimes the tools weren't used quite the way they could be used because people didn't really understand one another and where people were different, we found that they didn't understand, appreciate, or really even honor the differences that came. And that's where the possibility uh, really comes from is those differences. So if we could get people to better understand one another, to better be able to interact with one another, what we found is the tools could be even that much more effective for any yes. kind of a project team or an organization moving forward. Absolutely. I definitely agree. Making sure people are working well as teams is really important. It's kind of an assumption with the tools, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so one of my favorite sayings in Lean Six Sigma is it's not about the people. It's about the process, right? Focus on the process and don't blame people and, you know, work on the process. And that's an aha moment for people, right? Because they're sort of sometimes used to blaming people in the process versus looking at the process. But your book is called Solving the People Problem. And sometimes it is the people. Well, actually, <laughs> we agree more with what you said earlier, Tracy. We look at the people problem a little bit differently. It's not that people are a problem. It's uh -huh. that our inability as people to really listen to, understand one another, that's where the problem comes from. It, it's, it's our communications problem. It's, it's we've, we've all worked on process and work processes, but sometimes we neglect a little bit the communication process that lets us get to the work process. So better being able to understand one another, better lifting our emotional intelligence just helps all of those tools become more effective. But I'll double down with you it is usually not the people. And when it is the people, it's usually something about the process that created the people problem in the first place. Yeah, and really exactly. what, what we talk about in this book is the processes of people interacting. So it's the processes of leadership. It's the processes of communication. And in, 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 uh, in writing the book, we did a lot of third-party research. And one of the studies we came across was about conflict in the workplace. And this study looked at conflict and it found that 62% of workers across America blame the differences in personality and personality clashes. They blame conflict in the workplace on those personality differences. And really what we, what we highlight in this book is that it's not the existence of those personality differences that is the source of the conflict. It's the fact that you don't understand and you don't honor those differences. That's the source of the conflict. You know, there's so much talk these days about diversity and the value of diversity. And a lot of that focuses on racial diversity and gender diversity, which is, which is all absolutely very valuable things for us to be talking about. But in this book, we kind of talk about the differences of uh, uh, diversity of thought and the diversity of mindset and the diversity of uh, priorities. So, you know, Evans and I are a perfect example of two people that have very different kinds of styles that come together to create a better output than either one of us could do on our own. 
You know, I'm much more of a talk it through kind of guy. Let's go, go, go enthusiasm. Let's make this stuff happen. Evans is a little bit more of a reflective individual, right? He'll, he'll, he'll think it through a little bit more. He'll take his time. And by having those two uh, skill sets, if you will, those two personality styles, those two priority sets, we're able to get further along, quite honestly, faster and more effectively than if either one of us were trying to do something on our own. Yes, I can say the same for Elizabeth and I. Elizabeth right. and I are very different as well. As a matter of fact, I think Brett and I are both I's and I believe Elizabeth and Evans are both S's, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, there are things I'm really good at and, and Elizabeth is really good at things I'm not good at and we work really well together, but we definitely think different. We look at things different. And there have been times where we actually had conflict too, right? Where we're, we're like, the, our differences bite each other a little bit, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then we've also had times, mo more times than often where we really appreciate each other and our difference, the differences and what we bring to the table. Um, and I think what you're saying is sometimes people forget to, to appreciate the differences and, and mine for difference, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I just have to go back to our intro for just a second, because Tracy, that that first session that I did with you when we were working for the state of Oregon, one of the pieces of feedback that we got, which again, as you pointed out, we have a similar personality style. We are both I in the disc model, which is all about enthusiasm and action. And we're you know boisterous and things like this. But one of the pieces of feedback that the client gave us was, Tracy, I really loved your energy and you were fantastic. And it was nice to have Brett to kind of like play the, the straight man, the, the, the calmer one. And that's the first time in my life that I was ever called the, the calm, calmer you know, the, one. The, the calmer one. It's like, wow. So even within the personality styles, there are degrees. So yeah. can I ask a question? Because you just referenced DISC. Yeah. And in the book, there's a lot, you know, the premise is about DISC, the DISC model. And some people mm -hmm. might not, you know, know what that is. So maybe give us a rundown of that. And then, and then a hyphen and EQ, which stands for emotional intelligence. So if you could just give us a little rundown on that combination. Good. Right. So DISC EQ comes out of two different, schools of thought. One is about EQ or emotional intelligence, as you said, Elizabeth. And emotional intelligence has been studied for the last 30 or 40 years. And it's been shown to have a really major impact on our ability to be successful at work. As a matter of fact, off of some research from Dan Goldman and Harvard Business Review, it's been shown to have twice as much of an impact on your long-term success at work as either intelligence, IQ, intelligence we normally think of, or actually your technical skills. So EQ is really, really important. At the same time, EQ has a really big difference from IQ. IQ is kind of set. It, it's, it's really sticky. It's hard to move it a lot. EQ, on the other hand, is actually very malleable. EQ is something you can grow and develop and get better and better at over your career. And many of us do that slowly. What we found is people understand the need for EQ. They don't always understand how to actually develop it themselves. And to give people a language for talking about emotion and a language for understanding preferences and patterns and behaviors, that gives people a leg up on being able to develop that more quickly. And that's why we bring DISC to the forefront. And DISC is a model that's been around since the 1920s, but has continued to be 
worked on and refined and made stronger and better. And the newer DISC tools that are out there actually really dig into this at a much deeper level of detail. And DISC stands for kind of four different quadrants of behavior. Now, each of these quadrants, as Brett was mentioning, have a lot of variation in them. They take up about a quarter of the population. And DISC stands, it's an acronym for D or dominance, I or influence, S or steadiness, and C for conscientiousness. And it's a mix of behaviors that we can actually observe. And the reason we use DISC is for a couple of reasons. One, it's a relatively simple construct which makes it easier for us to apply. At the same time, it's also based on observable behavior. So if I see somebody and I watch them for a little while, I can probably get an idea of what are some of the likely patterns that they may have. It's a starting point for our conversation. Our style doesn't control us and style is not all of who any of us are but it's, it, it tends to be an impact. And, and we can start to draw some inferences and get into a conversation where we can actually better understand one another and better be able to communicate with one another. So when we marry those together, what we've got is actually, we're really trying to move your emotional intelligence. DISC is a tool that will help you move that more quickly and help you have a bigger impact with the people around you. I have an analogy that I think is perfect for the Justin Kime Cafe audience. And that is, think about Lean Six Sigma. Right. If we go back 20 years, there was a huge fight. Is it lean or is it Six Sigma? And, you know, with the basic premise of Six Sigma being about reducing variation and lean about removing waste. Well, pretty quickly, it became obvious to most of us that it's not an either or it's a both and it's no, you need to do lean to take the waste out and you need to do Six Sigma to reduce the variation. And how can you do one without the other? So we would view DISC EQ as kind of the same thing in that, you know, you need to increase your emotional intelligence. You need to understand your own style and how you make decisions. And you need to understand the styles of others so that you can adapt your behavior for the mutual benefit of everyone involved. But if you don't have a language to do that, you're, you're kind of at a loss. So you bring the DISC language into your work on emotional intelligence, and it's a much more powerful kind of a combination. So I'm sure there's people in the audience right now thinking of a lot of people that they probably think are emotionally unintelligent. <laughs> so, so that happens a lot, right? They're like, oh, I can think of three people that really need more emotional intelligence. So what do you, how do you actually make this actionable at work? So, so for example, I'm, I'm sure that some people are thinking, gosh, I wish my leader were a little more emotionally intelligent. What would you say to them? So, uh, I'll start it this way. Um, while we were writing the book, we actually had one of the subtitles of this book was a little bit different than the one that ended up on the cover. One of the subtitles of this book was solving the people problem and the problem is you. Uh, so from our perspective, here's what I would say. Um, we can't wait for others to grow their emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is about taking the responsibility yourself for saying, how can I better work with others? Psychology today, would define emotional intelligence as being able to understand and manage the emotions of yourself and of others. I don't wait for others to grow. You can't do that. It's what are the actions I can take? And as soon as I'm saying that other person needs to get, needs to grow up or do something different, I've taken myself out of the equation. I've, I've removed my ability to actually have a positive impact there. So there's yeah. one, that's a great point. And it's a good reminder. We often forget that because, you know, people are frustrating. <laughs> so it's really easy to go, 
why, why do they act like that? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you pointed out was that most people think they have a higher EQ and that they are more self-aware than they are. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So part of it is, and here's part of where the DISC model actually really helps us out. DISC starts to pull back some of those layers about how am I actually acting? How am I coming across? And it does it in kind of non-judgmental language, right? There isn't a right style and a wrong style. There's just style. There's just differences. And we are all different. And if I can get out of the, I'm right, you're wrong, I can start to actually gain a little bit more self-awareness myself. And, and when, when our emotional intelligence gets a little bit higher and we're able to talk with people, we can help them start to become aware of some things that they might be doing that might be getting in the way. Um, I just had one of these just a couple of weeks ago, actually. I was talking with a team and uh, we were going through the styles and stuff. And some of them were very talk it through, the kind of people who sometimes start a sentence, not sure where the sentence is going to end, but they just get going, figuring it'll end in a good place. Um, and But most of the team was actually very quiet. They were very reserved. And we, we were working through stuff. And one of the members of the team kind of raised up and said, you know, the last three times we've gotten together and brainstormed as a team, this whole side of the table hasn't contributed an idea. It's all come from three or four of you. And the leader of the team realized, you know what, actually, I, I think you're right. And she was embarrassed, not about the fact that it had happened. I think she was more embarrassed about the fact that she hadn't even recognized it that those different styles, she was going with a tool that she was very comfortable with, but actually didn't work for most of the people on the team. So they kind of came up with a decision of how they were gonna try and attack things a little bit differently. Um, I did point them actually to a podcast you had done just recently, uh, Elizabeth, on the dangers of brainstorming and how sometimes that doesn't really work as a tool Be because it's designed for kind of one type of interaction. That may not be a great tool for everybody. So we have to have a better understanding of how do people approach situations and how do people best work in situations. Then we need to kind of refine our tools a little bit so we can actually get the best out of everybody on the team and really show them the respect that we talk about in lead. Good, so besides, go ahead, Brett. I was gonna say, I, I can offer a, a couple of specific ideas that the Just In Time Cafe listeners can do to both measure and improve their emotional intelligence. And the, the, the first actually relates to the book itself, Solving the People Problem. Um, actually, first, just pick up the book because when we wrote the book, um, Evans and I are not academics. We, we, we reference studies. We, we very much appreciate the academics. They have you know, helped push us forward. But we're really about practical application. So in the book, we really try to make it about practical application. So uh, the, the book is structured in uh, two parts. The first half of it talks about the, the what, why of DISC and emotional intelligence. But the bulk of the book is the second part that goes into six applications. It, it gives some very specific ideas of what you can do to improve your emotional intelligence in the six areas of communication, decision-making, conflict, teamwork, sales and customer service, and leadership. And in the book and on our website, solvingthepeopleproblem.com, we give people an opportunity to take a free emotional intelligence survey. And so this is something that the Just In Time Cafe listeners can do. They go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com and click on the What's My Disc EQ link. 
they will be taken to that solving the people problem survey. Just enter the access code of just in time and they'll be able to go right in and take this survey. It takes most people about five or 10 minutes. What they will get from that is a personalized report that will give them two things. It will give them a score. So Elizabeth, to your point around, you know, they think that they're emotionally intelligent. This will kind of help them understand where do they uh, land on that scale compared to the normative data that we have in the, in the database. It'll give them a low, medium, high score in those four areas of emotional intelligence, knowing your style, making decisions wisely, knowing other styles and adapting your behavior. But more importantly, it includes a whole bunch of specific ideas that you can do, actions you can take to get better. So wherever you score, it has you know different kinds of ideas for you to get that much better. So it's a, it's a great tool. It's free. It's on the website. And it's something that I think people can use to um, uh, as a platform to increase their emotional intelligence, no matter where they're starting. Brett, two questions for you. Yeah. For the access code, once you go to the website. So the website is um, solvingthepeopleproblem.com. Correct. And the access code is just in time. Is that one word? Yeah. Put it in as one word and just look for the link. There's a link on the homepage and in the menu that says, what's my disk EQ? Uh, you right. Click that and then you land right on the survey page. And then the, I just wanted to add, uh, I, I took it earlier mm -hmm. and um, I was impressed. It's about 16 pages long. And, and as you said, it, it had a lot of how to sort of, okay, well, these are the, this is what your, you know, your strength, this is where you're going to struggle here's some things, some action items for you. And I really appreciated that balance of, uh, of information. It was quite helpful. Great. Great. Well, I'm glad you found it. You know, we, we try in those, those pieces of advice, we tried to include a mix of things. Or a little bit earlier, we were talking uh, about, you know, hey, if you think that your leader or your team members are not emotionally intelligent enough, what do I do? Well, as Evans pointed out, yeah, the problem starts with you. You got to focus on yourself first. And most of those pieces of advice are around, you know, self-reflection, self-growth kind of things you can do. But there are some things in there that are tips of, hey, get your team together and have, you know, this kind of conversation or do this activity or, uh, you know, ask people this question. And that will both help you increase your own emotional intelligence while bringing other people along. And, and that's really where this stuff really takes off, right? It's, it's one thing if you can improve your own emotional intelligence and get better at communicating, but let's face it, in communication, there are at least two people communicating most of the time, <laughs> right? And so if we can get both parties or in a team or in an organization, all the parties involved to be thinking about these ideas and, and getting more effective in how they communicate and how well they know their own patterns and the patterns of other people, that's when organizational success really thrives. You know, we talk a lot about organizational health and healthy cultures, and that's really what our ultimate goal with all of this is all about. So I'm going to comment on the emotional intelligence of the four people here, because if we didn't have our emotional intelligence or hadn't spent some time on it in our careers, our, our lengthy careers, this interview would have been really Tracy and Brett <laughs> with, with Evans yeah. and I smiling in, in uh, benignly about how well you two were carrying on. So I just want to say, wow, look at us. <laughs> look at us go. Yeah, it is, it is kind of fun. Brett and I have had a really successful run 
working together, but we are different. We, I pointed out, I think it was our first podcast. I pointed out um, it got started and Brett introduced himself and me. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do have those style differences, but we're aware of them and we honor them. And we know that they both bring great strength to the team if we can use them together. And when I find something a little bit frustrating, it's probably an opportunity for me to take a step back and say, wait a minute, there's something here I might be able to gain from. And if I do things from that perspective, we find that we get a great, a great deal more accomplished. And if I can point out, this is not a, do you have emotional intelligence or do you not? It's, a, it's an ongoing journey. Yeah, you're, we're always learning. Evans and I are always learning. Matter of fact, one of the things that we use uh, internally at Integris is we have an enterprise application uh, for DISC that essentially is a people directory. So the DISC assessment that we use is put out by uh, Everything DISC is the brand name of it. And we now have a tool that is an enterprise application that I can go online and I can see Evans. I click on Evans's name in this online platform that we have and it brings up his style. And one of the things that I'm able to do is I'm able to see, okay, what are some of the things that, that frustrate Evans? What are some of the things that Evan, that I can do to make sure I'm connecting that much more with Evans? And the fact that we have that at our fingertips, I mean, we've worked together for 20 years, but I'm still, I still need to be reminded of things. I still pick up new, uh, new ideas. And so this enterprise application tool that we now have available to us is so helpful because it it puts that that communication style information right at our fingertips and it's something that we use all the time so it's not i don't want any of your listeners to think oh i know disc or i i'm emotionally intelligent and that's it it's a journey you have to keep working at it and keep learning always and that, and that is exactly why it fits into the lean six sigma as well, because yeah. Lean Six Sigma is a journey and it is about culture and it's about, it is about people in that way. So, well, we want to thank you so much for coming to the cafe and it's been so nice to see you because I never get to That's see right. you guys anymore. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, so I hope you enjoyed coming to the cafe. I hope we get to spend some time in a real cafe sometime. <laughs> that would be That nice. sounds like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Thank Tracy. You, Tracy. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Also, if you have not done so already, definitely sign up for Jen Tankenau's upcoming webinar, How to Use Lean Root Cause Thinking to Win at Strategic Planning. It's coming to you live on Thursday, February 4th at 11 a.m. Pacific. And Jen uses what she learned at Toyota North America to break down the reasons we procrastinate when it comes to planning. And then she'll give us some clues on how to regain our momentum. And sign up for Lean Thought Leader Mark Graben's webinar, How to Use Process Behavior Charts to Guide Better Outcomes in Healthcare. On February 18th at 11 p.m. Pacific time, Mark is famous for books like Lean Hospitals, his podcast and his influential Lean blog, uh, in his webinar, he'll build on his latest book called Measures of Success by providing essential how-tos on process behavior charts, which some people call control charts. And another and. Tune in for next month's episode where we interview Bella Engelbach, founder of Lean for Humans, about her new book, Creatively Lean, 
how to get out of your own way and drive innovation throughout your organization. And if you haven't already, come join Tracy and me for our interactive course at UC San Diego called The Lean Six Sigma Leader, which starts this April. We're so happy to be back and we're thrilled that you've joined us. The Just-In-Time Just Cafe would not be the same without you. And we hope you enjoyed your jolt of lean caffeine. <laughs>